Charisma Quotient. I'm your host, Kim Seltzer, a dating and makeover expert, where I will help you build confidence, make connections, and find love from the outside in. Today, we are doing something different. And quite honestly, it's really special to me. I'm I'm super excited because today... I am celebrating the 100th episode of the Charisma Quotient. I can't, I know, I I literally can't believe it. Um, Never thought in a million years that, first of all, that I would launch a podcast, let alone be at the 100th episode. And I want to start out by expressing, first of all, tremendous gratitude that I have. I want to thank, first and foremost, you. Your positive emails and and touching breakthrough calls that I've had for those of you who had taken advantage of hopping on a call with me, I always give you a link and that's always available to you in the show notes. Um, And I've had the pleasure of talking to so many of you and giving me that motivation to keep putting these out there on a weekly basis. And I always joke to people when I talk to, I mean, you have to understand where I come from, right? Like I'm just talking into a microphone. I have no idea who's out there listening. And it's, it's kind of an odd thing. But when I get, you know, I really get encouraged hearing so many stories of how this podcast has helped you. And it's kept me going. And that's the reason why I wanted to do this in the first place. But, you know, it wasn't easy. I had wanted to start a podcast for years. And I would say to myself, yeah, I should do the podcast, right? Like, don't, don't you all do that with dating? Yeah, I should date. But that, that word should is what usually stops us. And I, I knew that I needed a plan because without a plan, I didn't have the confidence to put it out. And so a little bit like what I do with you all in your dating life, um, I hired a coach. I hired a team at Two Market Media. They've been amazing to help me build my confidence and give me a roadmap to get it out to the world, which leads me to another special person who is actually responsible for putting this out each week. You don't know her, but today you will. Her name is Anna, and she produces the show and has kept it alive. I could not have done this without her. She's truly the wizard behind the scenes, along with her sidekick, Danielle, who makes sure everything is sounding pretty and gets this to you sounding seamless. So if you know Howard Stern, she's kind of like my Robin, (laughs) but you haven't heard her voice of course, until now. Anna is actually going to help me with this episode today as we review the highlights of previous episodes. So she has helped me dig out the top five episodes, and I want to go through them and talk about the highlights, and more specifically, the important life love lessons that have come out of them. So without further ado, hi, Anna. Hey, Kim. It's so crazy to be on this side. Oh my God. (laughs) I know it's so weird that I'm introducing you. <laughs> right? I know it's like a behind the scenes of the charisma quotient. What are we? Really it doing? is. I yeah. love it. I love it, and I love that everyone gets to hear you. And because you have really a unique perspective, like listening to these yeah. each week. Like I don't know what has it been like for you. Well, well, actually, it's funny because when we first started recording this, I had been dating my now fiance for I don't know a couple months, not too long. And, you know, just kind of getting a, you know, to be a fly on the wall during your podcasts. (laughs) And I get to hear so much good relationship advice and 
I mean, I'm so happy in my relationship now, but I definitely attribute some of that to you because you've Aww. taught me so many lessons over the past, I mean, almost two years, right? <laughs> wow. Oh so my crazy. God. No, that's, no, thank you. It's it's special to hear because you and I don't really talk about that, right? Like we're so, I think, caught up in the minutia of the podcast and the guests and making everything sound great and yeah. that, you know, just to stop and reflect on what this is really about and how it's, you know, impacted, you know, I just shared about my life and just putting these out there, but also just being on the receiving end of it. So that's super cool. Love it. I love it. Yeah. Well, and so we're gonna, I think we've dug out the five top episodes, right? And yes, I'd love to hear, maybe you can introduce it and go through what has come out of it for you and what you liked about it. And we can talk about it a little bit. Yeah, I love that. So I know it's like the past hundred episodes, there's kind of been five major episodes, the most popular ones, the most downloaded that I feel like, you know, kind of give us some insight into what everybody's listening to and what they're, what they're interested in. So starting down the countdown Mm -hmm. with how to date without guilt, that coaching episode with Steven. And um, I'm going to play a little clip actually of, you know, right when you were asking him this major question. So let me ask you something. You said that you're not there. So what is it that like, if there was a magic wand right now and you could just make things exactly how you want it, what would it be with this girl? Hmm. I think I'm just not physically attracted to her, but she's attractive. That's the, that's the okay. Point. No, fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. And well, and this could be a whole other podcast about chemistry and what makes people tick with each other, but you know, you're practicing the emotional chemistry, which I was encouraging you to do by, by sharing. And some of that's there, right? We have the emotional chemistry, you have the intellectual chemistry and spiritual, but the physical somehow it's just not clicking is what you're saying. Even though she's attractive, you're not feeling it. Yeah. Okay. So given that, what is it that you want with her? I, I'm actually contemplating actually ending it. <laughs> but you, Fine, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that's probably, I, mean, I think just for to remain friends. Um, okay. But, you know, we hang out, I don't, I think we're just hanging out as friends right now, just getting to know each other. I think in the beginning, I was really, I just enjoyed getting to know her. We had some mm-hmm. laughs. Uh, mm-hmm. It just enjoyed, you know, different things, going to restaurants, having a drink here and there, going to a museum. But it's getting to a point where it's like, uh, am, is this now wasting time? I love that one. Yeah, that was really, I mean, the thing with Steven too that I thought was that he, he's so kind of back and forth with this. And it really spoke to me about, it's so hard to kind of trust yourself when you haven't really experienced what you want yet, right? Like he wants to build Mm. this relationship. And it's something that so many of us go through that I've gone through. I mean, how do you know, uh, how do you know when you should just keep experimenting, keep having fun, keep dating and keep being curious versus how do you know when you're really solidified in what you actually think you want if you've never lived it? Yeah, no, it's a good question. And I remember this episode and him in particular, what was interesting about his scenario and his history was that, and this kind of answers your question, that it's really different for everyone. Because for him, I mean, if you listen to this later on, he was feeling guilty about ending it, right? And so that was like, 
you know, his thing. And he wanted to give it a chance because he was trying to date differently than he had before. But what I was helping him with and letting go is that his core issue was that he would stay in things too long. And so I said, but actually your life love lesson is to let things go earlier when things don't feel right and be congruent with how you feel rather than staying in something to make the other person feel better. Because in essence, that's just going to build resentment and not a healthy relationship. So like in this instance for him, it was good to kind of learn about the different emotional chemistry that was different than the physical chemistry. But then when he wasn't feeling it and it wasn't good for him to let that go and be okay with that. Does that make sense? Yeah. I have a question actually too. Yeah. You have all these different ways that you think about chemistry, right? There's like the emotional, the spiritual, the physical. So for him, it's almost like this girl he was dating checked off all the boxes, but the physical. And so once you get to that level, Mm -hmm. it's maybe that's like, right, that's a sign where you can say, okay, I can really trust myself. All these other things work, but something that's important to me isn't working. And so it's time to, it's time to move on. Correct. And, you know, when I have people do the chemistry analysis, I I do like to give it enough time where you have like enough data, if you will, to like do a comparative analysis for yourself and how you felt in the first date versus maybe the fifth date. It's not that you should keep, you know, going with somebody that you're not feeling at all, but if there's enough there and in the chemistry wheel, each, uh, has like a high enough percentage, like maybe over 50%. Yeah. It's good to give it a little time to see if it shifts because it can shift for the better or the worse, you know, like somebody might look really good at first and check off all the boxes, but then over time you realize, uh, it's not there. Like I've had a lot of clients who, where the physical is really high, like the opposite of what was going on with Steven. And actually his previous relationships were like that, by the way, like his, he would have like all these tornado type of relationships where the physical just kind of overtook everything. And wow. yeah. And so what was happening is that he was losing sight of the importance of the emotional connection and the intellectual connection. So what I find is that the relationships that last the longest are where each domain is like evenly distributed. So you have, yeah, because I think that's what's going to sustain over time. If you have something, if you have like 90% physical and then there's only 2% emotional, yeah, that's going to be harder (laughs) to to sustain because, yeah, I mean, we all change over time physically. And if you don't have enough of the other stuff to really, you know, have that intimacy and emotional connection, it's going to die. Right. And you've said this before, actually, that once you start to really like somebody and you're getting more and more attracted to them, they become more physically attractive to you. Isn't that something that that happens? Yeah, it does. Well, I have a theory about that, that Mm -hmm. I actually think that if you really work on the emotional chemistry and you really build that and you're feeling that from each other, that, yeah, I think that you can almost see the other person as, you know, much more attractive in the physical sense. Now with this particular girl with with Steven though, what was interesting is that he found her physically attractive. Like if you listen to it again, he's like, it's not that she's 
not pretty. Like he, he thought that, but the sex appeal wasn't there for him. And that's, that could have been coming from her. I mean, and I even talked about that. That's where I work with ladies on their flirty skills, because there's a difference between being, you know, attractive or beautiful versus sexy and having that like, you know, kind of sexual charge to it. So that was also an interesting distinction. Yeah, definitely. So, okay. So then what is, what's like the major lesson that comes out of Steven's episode for us? Yeah. You know, for me, the life love lessons had to do with pacing, um, really being able to discern for yourself what feels good for you and not getting like lost into the vortex of, you know, what the other person wants or the relationship. You know, it's really going after what you want, knowing your worth and having your dating experiences um, without this guilt. I think, you know, often I talk about putting people in different buckets, if you will, as you're dating, especially if you have never dated before, if you had a bad pattern of dating, where there's, you know, three buckets. I always tell people, you know, you want to put people in potential buckets where people look like, okay, this person has a lot of potential. Um, then there's the fun bucket where you know that that person is not going to be relationship material, but boy, that person is so much fun and that's okay. And then there's a third bucket and that's just the big question mark. You're not sure. You don't have enough data. And I think, you know, as you date, if you can allow yourself to kind of put these people in different buckets, you can date without guilt a lot easier as long as you're upfront with them. And that's the biggest thing because that's where like sharing more about yourself, stating your needs and really coming from a place of authenticity comes in. Um, I just want to share, you know what I mean? I want to share actually a, a success story around this this particular topic. Um, there's a woman that I've been working with and she used to date men who would give her the crumbs, right? And she would stay in it way too long because she didn't want to hurt them. But she got caught up in these lopsided relationships. And I know I talk about that a lot. So we worked a lot on her guilt around dating without that attachment, but also coming from the queen bee standpoint of like knowing what was right for her and so that she could pace things out in a, in a healthier way so she could keep her eye on the ball. And she learned how to express her needs and desires and seeing that she had value, that she was sexy, that she was a desirable woman. And honestly, now like she's unstoppable. I, and this is hot off the press because I literally just got a text from her. Yeah. She's tra- she was yeah because she was traveling in Europe, and I mean she's been seeing the impact this has had like over a period of time. But this says it all. She said, "Hi Kim, wow, you're amazing and a genius in your dating advice. Men are falling all over themselves. <laughs> I'm in Europe since July 4th, and men are flying from all over to go on a date with me. These men are the bomb: handsome, educated, suave, and well-educated doctors, lawyers, executives, professors." and alike who have not seen 
water in a desert. <laughs> Even my American men are falling all over themselves. Being an active observer rather than being on a mission to get a boyfriend has made dating so much more enjoyable. One thing this new vibe has an unintended consequence is that men are trying to get me into a relationship with them, all kinds of men, but really leaning into my feminine energy, a bit of sass, my dating costumes that are classy but accent my physical features, and most importantly, enjoying the process of being unattached to the outcome. Wow, very powerful. Now I am sorting what I like. You are a woman who teaches a dynamic paradigm. I need to be careful. Or no, she said, you need to be careful who you teach this paradigm to. Wait. <laughs> I love that. Oh my God. She's like living her European fantasy. Good for her. I know. I know. And it almost sounds fake, you know, but, but really, <laughs> I know I literally just got this on the WhatsApp and she, I think she's just having so much fun for the first time in her life. And she's in her late forties, early fifties, I think. Um, to really understand what it's like to know your, you know, know her value and that she didn't have to get caught up in a relationship that wasn't good for her. Yeah, absolutely. Cause I, yeah, it can be so easy sometimes when you want a relationship badly or anything like that to just right, accept the crumbs, like you say, and you got to mm-hmm. figure out what that cake actually looks like and then go get it. It looks like she's doing that though. <laughs> she is the tiger. <laughs> What's the number four? Yes. So number four, the fourth most popular episode was what is your dating archetype? So here's a little clip of that. Here's the thing. I found myself writing similar things over and over again. And so what that told me that there were some very common mistakes and struggles that everybody has. And it was a way to explain why so many women have difficulties finding love. And, you know, look, there's several challenges that we all face, whether you're a man or a woman, when it comes to dating. And if it is not addressed, if it's not recognized, if it's not dealt with, there will be a continuation of these unhealthy patterns. And, you know, there's a lot of other things that go into that, right? Like, it's not just the person. I mean, the variables such as age, family of origin, your ascribed role growing up, previous patterns and abuse that maybe have happened or hurt that has happened that shapes us or will, you know, instill fear in us, living environment, et cetera. So everyone has challenges, right? And they, and we all have blind spots when it comes to dating, but If you know what they are and how to work through them, you will find love. Because when you are able to be aware and recognize patterns, you can change things to get a different result. And that is is so empowering, knowing that you can just tweak a few things and get a different result. Okay. So Kim, this clip blew my mind. Oh, really? (laughs) Yes. I remember this episode and I remember, you know, you categorized everybody into the different dating, uh, dating archetypes. And for me, just the identification of those patterns of saying, here are some common threads that women deal with, men deal with. I mean, this was specifically about women, but right. Mm -hmm. That it's everybody has these same problems, same issues. And there are actually things that you can do that you can change 
to get a different result. Cause that's something you say all the time also, but sometimes with dating, it just feels so impossible or like that you have to change yourself, you know, mm-hmm. to attract the kind of person that you would really want. And that's not true. And so for that, you know, for me, this was like a revelation. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. That's good to hear. Yeah. Well, I, I remember this has been one of my most kind of powerful paradigms, if you will. You know, I've, I've talked about this on other podcasts and I, you know, I have a whole like archetype guide that I give people and I even have a quiz that people can take to recognize this. And it really came out of coaching people in the field for so many years with thousands of clients that I started detecting these patterns in people. And, you know, just, just to highlight the, the positive aspect of this is that knowing that you're not alone, right? Like that so many, so many people struggle with the same things because as I was writing people's summaries, because I always write like a little summary of my observations after I coach people, that I, I found myself writing the same things over and over again. I'm like, wow, like the, it just speaks to how hard dating can be sometimes, but also knowing, and this is where the empowerment comes in, that you have the power to change it, that you don't, you know, because I think so many times, and this was kind of the life love lesson for me in this episode, is that I think we get caught up in the blame game. Like, you know, there's not quality men or women. Um, I live in a too remote town. Um, It's my age. It's my body. Like, I mean, we could go on and on and on. And, And that all may be true. There may be some real aspects of you know, kind of the external factors that are preventing you from finding love. But the empowerment comes from, well, what is it that I am doing that is attracting a certain kind of dynamic or person in my life? And what can I do to change it? And that to me is what is so exciting about this. So whether you're the chief, the list lady, the narcissist magnet, the friend zone gal, the dame, like those are my five archetypes, whatever you are, you can actually do things to change, you know, things that you're doing so that you get a different result. Yeah. And so that was my question on this one too, is right. How can you sort of self-evaluate and pick up on those patterns in your own life? I mean, of course, people should take your quiz, of course. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Number but, one. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But how do you, right? How do you start telling if, you know, oh, I've been on a couple dates and I'm noticing that men are treating me, you know, this particular way, right? How do you, how do you tell that if you're, um, if you're exhibiting one of these patterns? Well, I think it's just that is to actually make a point of starting to observe some of these things. I mean, if you, you know, take the quiz and you download the guide and you kind of see, you know, the different aspects of your personality and how you go about things. um, I think so many times big mistakes that people make is that they're just kind of numbing out on dates, right? Like you're, you're just going and you're checking off the list and no, that didn't work. No, that, and you're just, you're literally swiping right, even as you're dating and swiping left as you're dating, but not paying attention to just how you're feeling in that moment. And so I always tell people, collect data. Like, and, and it also makes dating, quite honestly, a lot more fun because you're not, you know, you're not getting so into, oh my God, is this my boyfriend? Or, oh my God, is this my girlfriend? It's more about, all right, 
how am I feeling in the situation? What am I observing about myself in the ways that I'm feeling, the way I'm reacting? What are some patterns for myself? And, and I think, you know, most of you are really good at being aware of things. I think where people get caught up is then what to do about it. I mean, that's why coaching is so powerful is that it's hard to do this stuff on your own. Like you may see from a bird's eye view, some things that you're doing, but you may not know how to change that. So that's where the real work comes in after that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you've got to do the work. That's if honestly, if there's one thing I've learned from your show, it is that you have to put in the work and you have to do the homework. Otherwise nothing gets done. Nothing gets done. I want to share a story. This is another um, email that I got, gosh, I want to say about two months ago of um, a woman who, you know, she actually was the dame. And just to, just as a refresher, the dame is someone who protects herself. You know, she has the armor on so thick that no guy can penetrate <laughs> or make a dent in that, in that armor. Um, but it was actually, she was using the friend zone gal as her defense. So it was interesting. Like she had a mix of the dame and the friend zone gal because every interaction she would have with a guy, and actually she had a ton of interactions, like what she did for a living. And also she was very social. She was playing the friend zone card because cranking up the flirty dial and actually making it more real was super scary because she had been really, really hurt in the past. And she literally just shut that down. So she dressed down to hide her body. She really had a lot of like image issues. She stopped exercising. Um, she would friend zone a guy, but you know, because she was scared of getting hurt, like all these things were happening. And she really had to, like, I think she hit rock bottom and she was like so fed up with being alone that she finally called me. And so we worked on her image first and foremost, just to kind of get her confidence back. You know, obviously the outside in approach was really good for her and she started exercising and that also helped her with her social life and cranking up the flirty dial. And actually having, I had to give her permission that it was okay to be flirty and still keep her wits about her, still pace things out and knowing what was right for her, all the while expressing her needs, because that was the other problem in her last relationship is she never expressed her needs. And so we worked on it. And then um, and by the end of the coaching, she was just flying high. I mean, feeling so good about herself, dating up a storm. But when we ended the coaching, and this was just phone coaching, I didn't really know what happened to her. Like I just hadn't heard from her, but I knew she was in a really good place. Then I got this email. She said, hi, Kim. I am so sorry. I've been incognito. I just wanted to thank you again for everything that you taught me. And I wanted to let you know that I have for the last four months been actively seeing a wonderful man. Last week, he told me he doesn't want me seeing anybody else but him. He wants to be exclusive now that his divorce is final. And he gave me the keys to his condo. <laughs> he is taking my daughter and I to Dubai in June so she can study the architecture there. That is her school major. He is the nicest man I ever met. I don't think that I would have ever been in this position if I hadn't worked with you like I did. So I just want to say thanks and send you a picture of us. And the, the picture is really cute. I appreciate everything that you've done for me. Oh my gosh, that is so sweet. I love that. 
I know it was, I see to me, these are like the, the surprises that I love. And again, what keeps me going for all this? Cause sometimes I don't realize, you know, the after effect of some of the hard work that people do. And it really does last as long as you keep it up. What was, do you think, what was like one of the main things you think that she did to get out of that dame and friend zone, I mean, zone that she was in? Um, well, like I said, I think giving her the permission that flirting was okay to do and that she wouldn't get hurt by just turning that flirting dial on, you know, or, or cranking it up. I think she associated flirting with being hurt. And so I had to get her being used to being seen by men and getting her second confidence back and knowing that she could walk away from anything that wasn't serving her and to really practice while she was doing that, standing up for her own needs, expressing her feelings and really like keeping her eye on the ball of what was good for her rather than what was good for him. Yeah, that makes sense. And it's like, there's such a fine line, I feel like, right between being vulnerable and, you know, honest and then open and being flirtatious, which, as you said, is really just, you know, flirting for fun without, you know, the expectation of something at the end, right? Yes. Yes. And it's essential, you know, like I think everybody needs that period of time where they just practice enjoying you know, dating and flirting without worrying about the relationship, because in essence, you're learning so much about yourself. And I say this all the time. I want to highlight it. This is all about you. It's not about the guy. It's not about the woman. It is about you. And when you feel good about you, that's when, when others recognize that and see that value. And then that's when you demand more for yourself. Exactly. Okay. So I think that's amazing. And I think we should move on to top episode number three. Drum roll number three. Yeah. Right. So that was surprising mistakes women make on first dates. So I'm going to play a clip in a little bit, but this tip was, it was like deceptively simple. It's like one of those things you're like, why didn't I think of that? Or how come I didn't just, why can't I just do that? But you talked through it here in a way that I feel like made so much sense. It sounds so simple, but letting go of the urgency to find that perfect partner and interviewing a hundred guys on dates, but just making each interaction fun, but coming from a place of curiosity and where there's more lightness and, and storytelling, that's when it becomes more fun. Share stories, have a sense of humor, be light, be feminine, show up in the dress. I had a woman once asked me, well, you know, we're just going on a coffee date. So I don't feel like I should, you know, wear a dress. I think it should just be, you know, I'm just going to go casual jeans and flip-flops because it's a coffee date. I said, I'm sorry, but I've never known a guy who actually came back to me after a woman showed up in a nice, cute, casual dress. By the way, you don't have to show up in like a black dress in like high heels and, you know, all decked out to the nines, but it could be a casual dress. That also makes you feel feminine and flirty. I've never met a guy who came back from a date where a woman is wearing dress and said, oh, you know what? She was way too dressed up for me. <laughs> never in a million years. They love it, ladies. Even if you are more dressed than they are, good. They'll remember you. They'll love it. 
okay, so I have to tell you a little story about this because this this little <laughs> clip made me think of this this first date I went on. Uh-huh. So okay, so I once met a guy at a bar. This was before I met my fiance, and uh, he asked me out to go on a date with him. We went to I don't know, it was like a hockey game or something like that. And I wore the exact same outfit on the first date that I wore when I met him. <laughs> oh my gosh, really? And yeah, I'll tell you what it was. It was yeah. jeans, jeans, a t-shirt, and literally a flannel, like, <laughs> like sneakers. It was not good. <laughs> yeah, but you probably looked cute doing it. Like I maybe, but that was the first thing he said to me. He goes, Wow, you wore the same outfit. <laughs> oh, really? He noticed oh that's oh, really he noticed good. immediately. Yeah. <laughs> That right. is a really funny story. Yeah, yeah, they do. We all remember things like that, you know. I mean, but you know, the truth is, is that there are people that are more visual than others, and so the visual aspect. And that and this is a whole other kind of topic. But there's like lovers who are auditory. There are lover, lovers who are visual. There's lovers who are more like tactile and and respond to touch. But the visual aspect upon first impression almost everybody responds to. Like even people who are not visual, it's something that works because even if it's not something that actually that person, it's like a go-to thing, like that they're really, really responsive to, it's the way the person feels in it. I mean, that that's really what we're talking about here. It's, you know, how you embody what you're wearing and that energy will shine through. So maybe if that guy, even if, or the girl is not that visual, they'll remember the feeling they had with you because of the way that you came across. So again, just as a reminder, what happens in first impressions, there's two things that fire in the brain. First and foremost is what you're wearing. And the second is your attitude and the emotions and kind of what's written on your face, like the nonverbal stuff. So that's why it can be so powerful. And it must be that there's right, like a combination of if you've got, I mean, it was actually in one of the um in one of the letters you read just a minute ago is the dating costumes, right? Something that makes you feel mm-hmm. flirty and fun and sexy and curious. I mean, I think that was I think that was the thing that was an aha moment for me with this clip was the word curiosity and going out there to just discover and learn and see if you're into that person and that that energy in combination with, you know, probably a better outfit than jeans and a flannel um, (laughs) would really, you know, make for a great first impression. Right, right, exactly. So I I have a question on this one too. So what if like, you know, I mean, I like dresses and all that fun stuff, but what if I was so opposed to that and I wanted to, I felt like Mm. being me and being comfy was, that's how I express my best self was just like my jeans and a t-shirt kind of look. Can you just go out on a date and like do you and go out to just have a good time individually? Or what, what are the, what are the things I, you know, people should be thinking about when they're showing up on a first date like that? That is a really good question. And I get that all the time. I get a lot of pushback from women who's like, you know, I don't do dresses. I'm not that kind of girl. Then I feel like I'm not being authentic, you know, and and showing up in a red dress when I'm really a t-shirt and, and jeans gal. And what I say about that, I mean, there's actually kind of two things around that. First and foremost, and this is just the therapist in me, is figuring out what about a dress is not appealing to that woman. Okay. Cause sometimes people have 
associations with it. Um, I remember working with this woman and she really knew exactly why she didn't like dresses. Like there was big psychological reasons. Like for her growing up, she had a mom that was really flirtatious and it was so embarrassing for her. Like she hated the way that her mom would like flirt with everybody and anybody when she was about. She remembers feeling just like gross around her mom. And so in her mind, being like in a dress meant being like a floozy, like her mom. And so there was this big like mental block she had. I mean, I've had other women say, oh, well, you know, I want a man to like me for my intellect and not just see me as the sexual object. So they better just like me like this. Like it's almost like an F you, you know, I mean, I just think yeah. there's different reasons. Um, other reasons I've heard is that they just don't like their body in it. Like, you know, and, and that's an easy fix because I mean, I... I have helped thousands of women find dresses that just, it it had to do with their body type. They were just trying on the wrong dresses that weren't working for them. So they were hypothesizing in their mind that they just can't wear them. So the, the first thing is taking a look at what about being in a dress is hard for you. Okay. But the second thing is, is that if you, you know, the last thing I, I want anybody to do is to force yourself into something that doesn't feel like you because it's going to, you'll come across as feeling odd. So if you don't have a chance to work with a stylist or, or be in something, you know, a little more feminine like that, if you're going to go casual, then at least pick some casual clothes that fit you well. So yeah, you could be in the flannel and jeans like you were, Anna, but how is the fit? You know, like, is it ginormous and where the guy can't even see your body or, you know, are they just like these old jeans that are ratty? Are you wearing no makeup at all? I did not even like groom yourself and brush your hair. You just, you know what I mean? Like there's other aspects of your image beyond just the quote unquote casual look that goes into making a a sexier image. Because believe me, guys think like a casual girl is super hot. I mean, they love a girl in yoga pants and a a top, but ones that fit their body, you know, and and put a little baseball cap on and looking really cute and natural. Oh my God, guys love that. But it's putting some attention with it. I think, and this is what I hear from the opposite sex all the time. We admire people who put a little care into you, what they're wearing and how they present like that, that's meaningful. It's like, Oh, he took the time to put on a nice outfit. Like that, that's nice when the guy does that for the woman and, and conversely when the woman does that for the man. So does that all make sense? Did I answer that? Yeah. It really is ultimately about making sure that you're putting effort into the date that you cared about it. And I, yeah, I mean, I definitely did not care about that date. So (laughs) (laughs) I think that's probably why I did it, but yeah, but okay. So that's one of the surprising women or surprising mistakes women make on first dates, but you know, what are some of the others and what are those big lessons that we can pull out of that for folks? Yeah. I mean, I think the, the four points that I went over in that episode was that, you know, women being negative, not realizing it, but just like the way that they're talking, maybe things that they're saying, it could be in their body language. Um, Another one was appearing desperate and needy, um, where they're so wanting to get to the boyfriend so fast that there's this like desperation that's oozing from them. And it's just not sexy and there's no connection. Um, Getting stuck 
in their head. That's an, another thing, you know, not sharing enough of you and getting personal or emotional connection. It's just more about like the factual stuff and staying safe. And then the final one is what we've been talking about mostly. And that's demonstrating a lack of sex appeal and feminine energy. So you fall into this like, oh, well, she was really nice, but I didn't feel the chemistry. In fact, that's what Steven felt from that other woman. Yeah, exactly. I, right? Like, I think there might have been all the components there, except that was the one thing that that woman was not demonstrating. There was just this lack of, yeah, sex appeal. So I think the lessons overall was really, you know, focusing on the positives, working on your strengths, you know, leading with that, staying present, cranking up the flirting dial, you know, being playful, not worrying about the past, which I think a lot of us get caught up in like, oh, I'm not going to do this again. I'm not going to get hurt again. So that's where the list comes in. Or we worry about the future. And so then that's where the desperation comes in. I want the boyfriend, blah, 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 that we lose right what is in front of you. And that's where that curiosity comes in. So people can just work on being curious and create connections. That's when people really, really have success. So, um, I, this, this episode remind me of another recent success story that I want to share. Actually, this woman came from Australia. I couldn't believe, I mean, I have clients all over the world and mostly like I'd say the phone coaching, but she actually came here to do an intensive. And, um, she grew up in a home where she had these like beautiful sisters and she was always recognized as the smart one. And she always called herself the ugly duckling like that. You know, her sisters were the pretty ones and it was a little like Cinderella ish. Um, and so she dated like that. Like she just had a lack of feminine energy, sex appeal. She hid that side of her and she kind of led with her intellect and she was so riddled with anxiety from the past and ascribed roles growing up. Um, that she just couldn't get past it. And so for her, it was crucial to do a whole makeover intensive weekend with her. And I needed for her to see how beautiful she really was. And she did. Like if you see the before and afters, and actually those are on my website, she looks absolutely stunning. You know, teaching her to flirt, not get anxious about what men thought, and just going after what she wanted. And then um, when she went back home, I received this email afterwards. She said, thank you, Kim. Something has shifted. Before your program, I was happy to fade into the background. I came into the awareness that I benefit from being out there flirting. I really feel more now in the flow, and I no longer feel like the ugly duckling. I went to the bar recently and sat there for hours. I had an amazing conversation with the manager and then struck up a conversation with a hot guy at the bar who appeared to be on his phone. But as soon as I said hi, the phone was put aside. This is really fun and I'm getting used to being treated like a queen and attracting guys everywhere. Oh, wow. Look at her. I love these success stories. This is great. Right? And and notice that each success story is their own success, meaning everyone are in different places and what success means for them. Like it could just mean getting used to talking to men, like in her case. And then in the other case of the dame, 
it was getting the boyfriend, right? Like there's all different. And that's what I always say to people like you do you, everybody has their own kind of success and things that they're working on. Yeah. And kind of the common thread that comes up here is you can just hear the self-confidence like exuding from how they're writing about their experiences. And that's the stuff that's, it seems that's really being built the foundation underneath that allows you to flirt and, you know, be able to just be curious on a date and strike up a conversation with a hot guy at the bar. I mean, that's intimidating to, like, that would intimidate me, right? So it's that, yeah, yeah, like, but that confidence is so shining through in all these success stories. Yeah. It's really beautiful. So what was, what are we on? Number two? We're, we're almost done. Yes. So number two was decoding mistakes men and women do in relationships with Dr. Ish. Oh, that conversation was so fun, love, right? Yes. I love him. <laughs> Gotta mm-hmm. love Dr. Ish. Um, and so this clip is Ish just kind of really digging into the details and the secrets of how guys actually think. The ultimate thing that women forget a lot is that he's in the room because he thinks he can make you happy in some way. Mm-hmm. But he's not a mind reader, right? Just because he likes right. you, it doesn't mean he can read your mind. So you got to draw him a roadmap because, listen, again, like you said at the top of the show, we're guys, we're simple. We are not complicated. You tell mm-hmm. us the thing to do, and we're going to do it, <laughs> right? <laughs> but you got you to gotta draw us a roadmap to let us know exactly what that looks like you. Hey, you know what? I'm going to need to hear from you a couple of times a day via text. I don't really need to talk on the phone every night, but maybe a couple of times a week would be nice. And if we could do dinner or a movie once per week, that'd be great. And one of the weekend days, Friday or Saturday, I prefer to have Sunday to Monday. Just lay it out exactly how you would want it. Because in his mind, he's going down his check. He's like, yeah, I can do that. Yeah, I can do that. Okay. Okay. I'm in, I'm in. Or he's going to opt out. And if he feels like he needs to opt out, then great for you. The quicker, the better, because you just saved yourself the next two or three months and you just saved your girlfriend the next two or three months of hearing you say to them, I just don't get where he's coming from. Can we just say a big amen? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Dr. Yeah. Is the best. <laughs> no. Oh, so many like wise little gold gems there, right? Yes. This, I mean, this clip resonated with me a lot because, mm. you know, in my relationship now, I, we spend so much time talking about how we talk to each other and not in a bad way. Like it's actually really refreshing. Mm. Um, I think, you know, the, you know, it's sort of what we have a big, I mean, we're planning our wedding right now. So that's a stressful topic, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it stresses my, stresses my fiance out a little, stresses me out. And so sometimes like I'll come home from work and I'm buzzing about a million things and I just go at him and I'm like, okay, we need to get the, you know, this ready and that ready and this thing. And he's like, hold on, you got to tell me if we're going to talk about this right now, or, you know, let me know, Hey, I want to go through a bunch of this stuff. Prepare me. Cause he's like, otherwise it's so much, I can't deal with it. Right. <laughs> and instead, but what we're really doing is kind of right. That negotiation of here's how I'm going to be comfortable and you're going to be comfortable. And then we can really, you know, get this done instead of me internally kind of freaking out like, Oh, this stuff isn't done when really we just need to have a mutually agreed upon time for this conversation to work all this stuff out, right? Yes. I First of all, your fiance sounds amazing. Just the fact that he was able to slow you down and like extract that, you know, and, instead of just getting frustrated with you and, and say, girl, you know, just, I can't take you anymore <laughs> and going right. to another room. He, he just, he's, he kind of recognized what was going on and he was letting you know 
what he needed to help you and to help him. So it was like, he almost laid out the roadmap. He did the roadmap in this case. Yes, yeah, exactly. So that's why this clip, I mean, you know, what Dr. Ish was saying really struck me because mm-hmm. in previous relationships and just, I think how I thought about, you know, relationships, friendships, even with people in life, a lot of times it's, you know, if they care about me, they'll know what I want. If they really you know, like me the way they say they do or what have you, they'll get it. And that's really not the case. And Dr. Ish just laid it out so perfectly. The roadmap is totally, um, you know, it's just, it's a big mistake. I think a lot of people make that I've certainly made multiple times in my life. Um, Mm -hmm. And it just gives you the clear roadmap of here's what I want. Can you do it? Can you not? Yeah, I know. And it's so simple, right? Yet I think we complicate it so much. And especially when I think what happens with couples a lot of times is that you get kind of caught in a state of complacency and comfort and you just, you almost forget to check in with one another. And I remember in this episode, we even kind of started with Dr. Ish and I being therapists and how we've been trained so much to just ask questions of other people that we, you know, we, we haven't been trained to share enough about ourselves. And that's part of the road mapping is, and, and, and in a lot of my actual success stories is the ability to recognize, you know, first stop and recognize what's going on and figure out what it is you need. But then the second thing is actually stating it and sharing it and clarifying it. Right. And isn't that the scary part? Because I think a lot of people will be freaked out to say, here's what I want, because what if the other person can't do it? And there's that risk that's involved with, right, sharing and telling your truth. Well, yeah. And here's the irony of it all. Like in efforts to avoid this scary thing that we think about, it's actually we're just creating a bigger monster. Because in reality, when you actually say it, there's so much relief and release that comes from it that the monster doesn't get bigger. Like it just, it's like, oh, wow, that, that was way easier than I thought. I just, it goes back to that thing I say too, is that we always think things are bigger in our head than the reality. And I find that to be true with everything in the way that we shop and the way that we think about our love life, you know, the opposite sex, like everything's a big deal almost like in our head. And I'm not saying that's, that's necessarily wrong. Like I think it's our way of trying to like figure things out and do the best for us. But then at what point do we let that go and just say something? You know, I, I, been working with this one client for a while now, and she keeps questioning about every little thing. And I think the recent episode um, with Lori Gottlieb, I might've even talked about it, where like she kept talking to me about what she's wondering about her partner. And I kept just saying to her, well, did you ask him? (laughs) Did you talk about it? Like, instead of just having these big stories in your head, just clarify. Clarifying is the most powerful tool you can do with your partner. It seems so simple when you say it like that, right? (laughs) But but it's true. I mean, even, yeah, in my relationship, just asking these questions and saying out loud, here's what I need to do, it actually has relieved a lot of tension. And, you know, it's not an argument or a fight or something like that, or, or, you know, us trying to desperately get what we want in there out of the person. Instead, it's a 
you know, calm conversation where we're mutually on the same level. Mm. So is that clarifying and clarity? Is that really the love life lesson in here? Yeah, I put that down for sure that that to me was, it's, it's the clarification. I mean, we talked about also the gender differences in communication. So, you know, even though we all kind of want the same thing, we definitely communicate differently as men and women. And I think Dr. Ish really was extracting how simple guys are, <laughs> you know, and then how complex women are. Like we, we talk in way more words, right? Like we use over 2000 words in a minute, you know, like we're just way more wordy and storytelling in the way we communicate and guys are very simple. And so if we can kind of come halfway with each other and recognize each other's language so that the other person can hear it, that was the other, I think, love life lesson out of this. Um, and also like asking for what you want, you know, that, that assuming thing is really can just, it can be so toxic in relationships and that's where things can get out of control. But as long as you, yeah, you're just asking questions and, and also speaking your truth, that deeper connection will grow. And that, that is where the roadmap comes in. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and then, I mean, of course it kind of gets down to how do you know what you want, but maybe that's for, maybe that's for the next one. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good lead in for the next yes. one. See, you're so good. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I do have a success story that I wanted to share around this. And this was a really cool referral, I have to say. And um, I will tell you where this came from, actually, when we talk about the number one episode. Um, but this came through a, through somebody else who I worked with, but it was actually the boyfriend of the woman who I ended up working with. So in other words, the boyfriend contacted me because he knew my, my previous client and his relationship with his girlfriend was really in trouble. And so what was so touching about this is that he wanted to pay for the coaching. Um, they had tried couple therapy. They had tried a bunch of different things. He was high. Actually, he was highly self-actualized. He had done a lot of work on himself and to be honest, he had really high emotional intelligence, but his girlfriend did not. Um, and this is where the rub was, you know, like he was expressive and, and he felt like he was banging his head against the wall to try to get her to talk about her needs. So it was an interesting kind of dynamic. And, um, you know, he really, he really loved her and wanted to make things work because everything else was great. But this was the big piece that was missing for him, her inability to share and be clear of what she wants. So um, we agreed uh, to just to work on her. And so I did, I worked on just having her express her needs and sharing. And it was a total foreign language, you know, like Stephen, she grew up in an Asian um, culture where just feelings just weren't expressed at all. And it was a completely different kind of um, way of expressing herself. So we had to do a lot of emotion work and just recognizing that it was okay, like that it wasn't as scary as she was thinking about it in her head. And also this leaked out into her friendships. And then, you know, the boyfriend was complaining that when they would go out socially, he would be embarrassed because uh, kind of her disconnect with people. And so, yeah, I like taught her my social engagement formula. I got her really comfortable. I did a lot of role playing with her actually and worked on feeling vocabulary and finding her voice and worked on her image. Definitely like just helping her step into more like 
sexy, confident woman because she also was playing it small in that aspect so that the boyfriend, you know, would kind of recognize that too. And, and she really felt validated with that. So we have our last session coming up, but I don't have a written testimony on this, but to me, the best testimonial of all is that she just announced that she and her boyfriend bought a home together because they're doing so well. I mean, wow. come full circle. I mean, they were on the verge of breaking up. And, and the boyfriend told my client who originally connected us that he's so happy and, and was really thankful. And so our last session, what I'm going to do is have him come on to the call and share his perspective and how he he sees her improvement and how he's feeling with her. So I'm super excited about that. That's amazing. I honestly I love I love that. I think that's incredible that he's so supportive and wanted to help her and you know found you. That's an incredible story. Yeah, yeah. So stay tuned with that. Love it. Maybe we'll get them to come on the show. <laughs> I know. I was just thinking that too. <laughs> right. I'm like always thinking about the show. Okay. Oh, I love you. Right? Okay, I feel like we need a drum roll for the number one. No, we seriously. Maybe I'll get we a sound effect. Like, I was going to say, don't we have those cheesy sound effects? Oh my god, I hear those on other podcasts. Yeah, we'll find it. <laughs> we'll find a drum roll. Okay. Okay. So the most downloaded episode, surprise, surprise, right, is how to stop attracting narcissists. Uh, this was so. by far the most popular episode. And so this, I loved this episode because it was, it was super tactical. It was like you said, okay, here's how you spot one. It was great. So here's a little clip of that. Ladies, let's say you are, I'm just speaking to the women here. Let's pretend that you are out on a date with a guy and he starts talking about himself and he's really charming. You're getting caught up in the stories and everything like that. I dare you next time to interject a story about yourself without him asking you and see what he does with it. This is what I love. Like I, it's almost funny when you start doing it to see if they're going to pay attention to you. Does he stop his conversation and actually listen to you? Is he interested in what you have to say or does he divert it? Does he look away? Does he cut you off? Really pay attention to this stuff. So this I loved because you're like, it's almost like you're intercepting a date in the middle of it happening because I think everybody can, right? (laughs) (laughs) Remember, imagine a time where they were talking to somebody. I mean, I've definitely had this. Honestly, that guy that I went on the first date with and wore the flannel, he was 100% a narcissist. Um, Oh my God. (laughs) And I remember having those conversations and I'm a talker, right? So Mm -hmm. if I'm not talking at all, that's something for me where I'm like, what's happening? Oh, <laughs> what's yeah, yeah. On? That's just right. Or if I'm right throwing compliments out and I'm like, we're not talking about me. I'm not sharing anything. And suddenly you just start to feel kind of drained mm-hmm. and like you're propping someone else up so much. And it's just such a lopsided conversation. And so my question with this is like, you know, kind of going back to almost the, you know, the archetypes before, if you've kind of been that caretaker, making people feel good or all of, you know, you're that nice gal, right? Mm. How do you go about breaking that pattern? Because like, right, how do you notice that you're doing those things and start, you know, changing your, your um, behavior a little bit more to right, get a different result and stop attracting those narcissists? It's, it's not easy. Um, 
I find that, and this is just, again, the therapist in me, that most people who get caught up in these lopsided situations and relationships or are attracted to them, there's almost always a tie-in to just, you know, things in the past and how they got brought up. And, you know, there's a high correlation of people who grew up with narcissistic parents. So it goes back to one of the episodes where I talked about the familiarity principle is that we always go back to what we're familiar with. So that's why this can be so daunting for a lot of people and really exhausting because, they intellectually might know that it's not good for them, but they, they, they don't know, or, you know, they can't recognize what could be different. And so what I tell people all the time is, I mean, the only way to tackle like anything is to chunk it down into little, like kind of mini exercises and goals. Like the worst thing that you could do is, is tell people, Oh, you know, just set boundaries and share things about yourself and you'll be fine. Like, I, I mean, if you're not used to doing that, like you, you have no idea what that looks like. So like for me, that's why giving homework assignments to people where they're actually just working on, let's say, doing I statements. And so for two weeks, you know, having them practice the I statements. Um, maybe another homework assignment is to you know, set boundaries in ways of saying no to things that they really don't like down to like, if a friend wants you to come over and help them with, you know, organizing their closet that happened with a client the other day. And she's like, I'm really pissed because I have no time to do anything for myself. And this friend wants me to come over and help with, you know, I said, wait a second, how is it that you are going over to this person's house when you're already feeling overwhelmed and it sounds like it's not something you want to do. Well, I feel bad for him because he has nobody else and I just felt like it was easier to say yes than no. I said, well, actually it's the opposite because you just made it way, way more harder on yourself by saying yes. So it's just the opposite of what you were trying to achieve. And she just kind of paused and she's like, oh, you're right. So I had to really, like, I had to have her go back, text him and state her needs and say no, but also give her like almost vocabulary to use on how it was making her feel. So it's not just okay to say, Hey, I can't do it today, but it's way more powerful to say, you know, I was thinking about coming over today and I recognize that I am feeling really overwhelmed and I shouldn't have overcommitted myself. So I'm not going to be able to come over. Like really just owning the feeling that's attached to why she was saying no. And so it's like doing little practical things like that, that will add up to the bigger picture or the bigger goal of setting boundaries, you know, not giving, you know, all your power away and all of the things that we talked about in that episode. That's huge. I also, and now I'm thinking that we should do an episode about specifically how to set boundaries and language to use, because that's also now reminding me Mm. of, you know, I'm a millennial. All my friends want to cancel plans. It's like their most fun thing to do, but I hate that. (laughs) I want to know before, but it's literally that thing of, oh, sorry, I didn't get this text or I'm, it's like this avoidant thing as opposed to just coming out and saying, I don't want to go to the party because I don't like any of those people or something. Maybe there's... Yes. Right. Right. See, that's what I'm saying is that 
I think people are just getting caught up in saying yes to avoid the conflict, yes. but then in the end, they're creating more conflict than to begin with. Had you just said, well, I'm not sure I can really commit to that because here's what I have going on. And to really be direct, um, really the fallout to this is passive aggression. Yeah. And, probably and so, right. Like, and yeah. internally too. Yes, exactly. And so I find that that's another characteristic of people who attract narcissists is that there's this passive aggressive kind of thing that goes on where they, you know, people, again, will put so much emphasis on the other person, but then inside they're building resentment, you know, and as time goes on, the narcissist never knows about them and they get mad at the narcissist, but really it was on in with. It, it, so again, it's a like cycle that just continues. So the life lesson for me here was really, um, you know, taking your time to have more of that queen bee attitude and knowing, you know, what you deserve by setting boundaries, by learning to say no, demanding the cake, not just the crumbs and really like contributing more, you know, for yourself. I recently was in San Francisco and I was actually coaching a lot of people there. I don't know what's going on over there. So <laughs> if you're in San Francisco, you got to give me a call. Um, but the one of the things that was interesting is that as a caretaker, she couldn't, she couldn't hear the word share. Like when I said, oh, you know, we're going to practice sharing things about yourself. She felt that that was almost like, like it wasn't okay. Like, like women don't do that. You know, like there was an association with the word share. So I, I, I simply like changed the verbiage on that. I said, okay, instead of thinking of it as sharing, I want you to think of it as contributing, that you're contributing to the conversation where you're adding value. She goes, ah, now that makes sense to me. That makes sense in my mind. So for all you caretakers out there, if you can think of it that way, that you are adding value to conversation and to your relationship by contributing how you feel. That's such a good tip. I love that. Yeah. So um, I want to end with a really, um, I'm going to try to get through this without crying because there's something really uh, emotional about this story for me. And it hits me because... I, it was just in San Francisco. Um, this woman called me, wow, I think we figured out it was three years ago. And she had gotten my name from her doctor of all people. This is a crazy story. And she, her doctor told her that I had helped one of his patients and changed her life. Now, to this day, I have not talked to the doctor. He won't respond to my messages. And I don't even know who I helped. But it was amazing that she held on to this piece of paper with my name on it for a year. She sat on it. Finally, she had this like thing happen to her where she got in a car accident and her life kind of flashed in front of her. And she's like, oh, my God, like, I'm, I'm alone here. Like, I have no one who I can even call. And it made her realize she needed help because she had been single for so long. So she calls me up and she tells me how she connected with me. And her issue was exactly what we've been talking about. Like, she was a narcissist magnet. She um, was, you know, the good girl, the good audience, beautiful, successful, but never spoke her truth, didn't express her feelings. Um, uh, she was just dating one bad boy 
to the next and really, but wasn't getting any dates really. Like she was just kind of falling into these relationships. So, um, she really took to heart our work. Like she did an intensive with me and then we did follow up phone coaching and like, although she resisted a lot of times, she did my homework and she treated it like her job. And that's, that's how I always tell people like, this is like, this should be the most important job of your life is working on you, you know, beyond your business and the money, like you should always come first. And I love that she put herself first because from there, everything just started falling into place. She learned how to set boundaries, sharing about herself, making men earn her. And suddenly she became this man magnet where she was having way more depth in her connections. And she never experienced that before. Um, And then it just happened. So she met this special guy and she met the one. And I, you know, I was kind of hearing through the grapevine, like how she was doing. And from, from that point on, she had referred me another client, that client referred me another client, that client, like there was the spider web of, of girls up there that, um, they, they eventually called themselves the Kim club. They all didn't even know each other. But until I had my big summit in Vegas and they all met and it was so amazing, but they all like experienced successes in different ways. And it started with this one woman. So I got this after this email after a year um, (sighs) announcing this. And she said, so Kim, um, I, I, she, and she sent me a little picture with her toasting, like a little champagne glasses with, with her guy. Um, she said, so it happened. The day of, as usual, I was rushing out of work quickly and running 15 minutes late. When I jumped out of my Uber and bolted towards the entrance, I was overwhelmed with a ton of emotion and flashbacks to our sweet first date. I realized that we had not been back since then. It literally just dawned on me then. Anyway, he rushed me up to the observatory deck and said he discovered it at a Google meetup. I had not known about that floor. He he small talked to a few people and that part of the museum is hidden and sparse. Then he showed me this sediment exhibit where you look through a magnifying glass to see sand from various beaches around the world. And when I got to the last panel, my ring was there. (laughs) Everything after that happened super fast. But I remember thinking, oh my gosh, this is it. This is that moment. And the next thing I know, he's proposing to me and tears just started streaming down my cheeks. And then out of nowhere, a photographer pops up and starts taking pictures. He had planned this all. He pulls out two champagne flutes. He knows how much I love to drink from proper glassware. Ha. This man comes over and pours us champagne, again, well-planned. We step out into the outside balcony, take more pictures, and then watch the sunset. I was on a high and still feel that today. When we went back to the restaurant, we went on our first date after the museum. I love that because it was a double whammy recreating our first date. It just brought back such special memories. Kim, you were a gift in my life. And I would not be where I am had I not worked with you. (laughs) Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Please let me know how I can help you with your mission. I'm here to support you always. Oh, God, I thought I was going to get through that without crying. (laughs) 
That's amazing. I want to give you a virtual hug. Oh my gosh. <laughs> right? Like that's so beautiful. I can't, oh, that's the most amazing. That's such a good letter. What a I didn't even know. I mean, I didn't know what you were going to, what success stories you were going to read. What a perfect one to end on. I'm getting emotional too. Yeah. And um, gosh, come full circle. She got married in Croatia and she invited me to the wedding. I couldn't go, but you know, just as when I went to San Francisco, I got together with her and some of the other girls that she referred me to. And they were all just sharing their life love lessons, you know, like just how much their life has changed and grown and how it all happened from just like, you know, the community. And, you know, I guess that kind of brings me full circle to the charisma quotient and the podcast is like, this is what I love about podcasting is that, you know, it, it can connect so much, you know, with each other, knowing that you're not alone in all of these things in the journey, you know, things, sometimes people will say, oh my God, I feel like you're talking to me. Well, there's a reason for that because you're not the only one struggling with that. I'm not a mind reader, right? Like it's just, it's things that we're all dealing with. So yeah, I can't think of a better ending to this episode than that story. And, you know, knowing that with every ending, there are new beginnings. So Anna, thank you for doing that and coming on. That was really special. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I really yeah, appreciate it. Maybe we'll it. have you back on. So let me know if you liked having my Robin on. <laughs> I know. So I, yes, yes. I wanted to invite you all as, as we're ending here. You know, what is your ending going to be? Think about that. You know, what are some of your life lessons that you've learned along the way? I would love to hear that. And a way that you can do that. So I have an idea. If you like the show and you look forward to new episodes every week, I have a favor to ask. If you could just take a minute to rate the show on iTunes by writing your love life lesson, like things that you learned from the show or something that you learned just like listening. Or tell a friend, a family member, a coworker to listen. That would mean a ton to me. And not only that, by rating it and reviewing it, you're going to allow more people to find it. And hopefully there'll be a contribution with that as well to their lives. So you'll really be helping other people along the way. It really does help. So as always, this has been the Charisma Quotient. I'm your host, of course, Kim Seltzer. And remember, you can build confidence, make connections, and find love from the outside in. And stay tuned until next week with more tips and tricks how to feel and look fabulous every day. Thank you.